0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for September 26, 2017. It's President's Cup week, and we welcome in to start season uh, sorry, year eleven of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Congratulations on, on being my first guest in year eleven from the Golf News Net and, and Yahoo's and Yahoo's Devil Ball Golf blog, Mr. Ryan Balling. Hello.
1: Hey, Jeremy, congrats on 10 years. That's that's a pretty
0: admirable accomplishment. Thank you, and thank you for being such a a huge part of it over the last uh, seven. Um, Before we get to the President's Cup, and I just walked in from work, and I'm quickly scrolling through Twitter, I saw pictures of Tiger uh, holding a golf club, making a mock backswing, and bending down as if he was reading a putt. This is progress, Ryan. This is progress. Uh, slow, Slow baby steps. 60 yard pitches and
1: putting contests and being able to walk through all good things. Uh, but Tiger said in his, his blog or his most recent update on his website that he doesn't really know what the future holds for him in golf. And, and I think that until he gives it a try, I don't think he's really going to know. So
0: yeah,
1: uh, got to have a lot of patience, uh, especially if you're him, obviously thinking about the rest of your life now potentially as a marginalized golfer. But as a fan, you also have to have patience, too, if you're, if you're a Tiger supporter. So, sometime next year, maybe, is, I guess, kind of the, the current status. And if it accelerates or if it worsens, I'm sure he'll kind of give
0: it the hint that uh, you either get closer or it's not as close as he hopes. Yeah, totally. Um, Alright, let's put a dot on the, or cross the T, or a bow, or whatever cliche I was trying to insert there, on the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship. For me, the Xander Shoffley story is fantastic. And for somebody like him to win at Greenbrier stiffing a wedge and then go on this whole run through the playoffs and then win the tour championship, walk away with $3.5 million, be so fresh to the scene that that he had no idea he even won $3.5 million. His humble background, the way he did it, um, impressing Johnny, which is tough to do. Um, that's a really nice story in terms of actual golf tournaments to end the 2016-2017 season. Pretty amazing turnaround what you can do when you get an
1: opportunity. I mean, he was 130-something, I think, in FedEx Cup points when he got into the U.S. Open, qualified for the U.S. Open, and then turned that opportunity into a learning experience. I think they probably carry him the rest of the way and it pretty evident right away that that was going to help him with the confidence boost that he needed to realize he was the best in the world he's another one of the 2011 class guys that uh, basically a 2011 class guy that uh, that just has all the talent in the world and maybe just a couple of months behind his peers and getting today, uh, to maximize his talent like you said one at Greenbrier which is not the deepest field in the world but it's usually a good tournament it's usually a stacked tournament in terms of leaderboard and then. Kind of had some pretty okay playoffs and got himself into this position because he squeaked in. Nothing wrong with that. Took advantage of the opportunity and won the biggest title of his short PGA tour career to so walk away with two wins in a, in a rookie campaign. And going into the week, even despite the win, I think a lot of people figure Patrick Cantley, with the kind of comeback that he had after injury and, and watching the personal tragedy that unfolded uh, to his friends. Uh, dying basically in, in his eyesight, that uh, that he was probably going to be the rookie of the year. Now that clearly belongs to D- Andrew Shoffley, who was, what, 1,200th or
0: something in the world at the start of the year, and now the top 40th. Yeah. Story. Um, you have more connections than I do over at PGA Tour headquarters. Tim Fincham eliminated the Comeback Player of the Year award and saved it for people who qualify under the Jared Lyle definition, which is basically coming back from some kind of really... Hard life hardship medical hardship heartbreak anything in that area wouldn't Patrick Cantlay qualify? And has Jay Monahan decided what he's going to do with that award, if anything?
1: I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, I feel like that's probably something that would that would qualify as a significant comeback. Obviously, had some serious back problems, got out of the game for a couple of years. Basically, just kind of had to sit around for a while until his doctor could tell him he could swing a golf club again, and then obviously. Uh, with what happened with his friend dying, a lot of things go on in his life. To, and to, just to get back into golf and to get a great year, I every cut, got to the tour championship. He's going to be in the Masters, the first, the other of uh, the first three majors of the year. Probably will get in the PGA. I mean, that that's an incredible accomplishment in my view. I I don't know why you couldn't bring back the the Player of the Year award to that that particular purpose, but. Uh, maybe that's just kind of something they've chosen to retire for now and, and worry more about overall performance and maybe we'll focus less on sentimental value of having a good year against on.
0: Yeah. all right, so um, we got uh, Justin Thomas winning the FedEx Cup. Um, wanted to win the golf tournament, almost did. that put I thought was going in on 18. Uh, gave it a nice ride before it just came up a little short and low. Doug Ferguson, I believe, broke the story, although you can tell me if it's been talked about quietly in circles about this idea of making the fe- the the final event of the year, especially if it moves to Labor Day weekend, and this kind of five-day thing, Thursday to Sunday being the Tour Championship, you crown a champion, you take whoever top five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever number you want to put it at, for the uh, uh, FedEx Cup standings, they play the next day, which would be Labor Day Monday, and then whoever shoots the best on that one round wins. Uh, A, do you think this will happen, and B, what's your thought on it?
1: As far as I understand, uh, I've not seen that kind of proposal put out there in any kind of feeler way. I've even heard of it until Doug wrote about it. So I think he probably got the scoop on the tour on that. Um, I, I like the idea of that. I, I've long advocated for the idea of the FedEx Cup is more potent when everybody involved, especially the players, knows at any one moment what's on the line. And it's hard to tell under the current system, unless you're in the top five and you're winning the Tour Championship, where things stand. So I think that if you avoid the points reset at the Tour Championship, you play uh, the Tour Championship is what would likely be the third leg of the playoffs, instead of 4th in the 2019 calendar year, 2018-19 season, then you could have a setting where you go from maybe, I, I don't know what they would start it as, maybe it's still 125 in, then you cut down to 70, I don't know, meant the 30, you have a, a series of more uh, severe cuts, obviously you're making 2 instead of 3, but once you get down to that 30, then you have another severe cut down to I think the lowest, lowest number you could have reasonably is six. You'd have either two threesomes or three twosomes. You're looking at probably six, eight, or nine players that get into this one-day shootout, 18 holes in East Lake for $10 million and then kind of fold out from there. Um, I, I think that's the way that you should do it. I've always thought there needs to be a definitive reason to watch every shot and for the players to care about every shot other than the golf tournament itself. This does that. It accomplishes making the tour championship still so meaningful in a tournament unto itself. And it also makes the FedEx Cup very easy to understand for everybody involved. And it is effectively a, a $10 million shootout. I think the idea of money in sports has less meaning than it used to, especially even from 2007, because athletes make routinely $10 million a year in other sports or I mean, Jack Fodor Sands makes what thirty million dollars a year. So you kind of go down the list of guys that make easily ten million a year. You go, all right. Well, I mean, that's cool, but it's not as meaningful. But if you told me that these six, eight, nine guys are playing one round of golf for ten million dollars, that's some crazy stuff. And I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people will be more interested in that.
0: Yeah, um, and I think also. It, it, it'll be good for TV, it'll be simpler to understand for TV, and I think um, NBC will be happy to uh, see that uh, pop up the way that it, that, that it has. One last one before we get to the President's Cup, uh, you live in the D.C. area, um, or the greater D.C. area, do you think, right now it's on the schedule as the National with no course, do you think Tiger's event gets played next year?
1: I think it does. I think by the PGA Tour putting it on the schedule, they have committed, uh, just like with Houston Open, for example, to subsidize it, which also is a sponsor, to subsidize it for at least one year. And they've got plenty of money in the bank. They can do that. They could cobble together potentially some presenting sponsors or secondary-level sponsors. that They don't necessarily have to be the title, so maybe that defers some of the costs of what the tour is going to have to put up to run the event. We know now that Congressional isn't going to host the event based on what, what the contract with Congressional Country Club is. However, I would not be surprised if the tour pulling out of that deal is contingent on not having a title sponsor. And I say that because the B.J. courts go to their TPP courses like Covex Farm and Avenue, which is literally 30 seconds down the street from Congressional, where they can use that for free. So if they're going to subsidize the event, they're not going to have it at Congressional. But if they have a sponsor, I would imagine they might try to still fulfill that contract hmm. obligation. To congressional so I think that's part of TBD but I think ultimately they're going to play it it's just whether or not we have a title sponsor and then the tour will come back in 2019 when they have a whole bunch of things they can play around with in terms of the schedule and they can look at this tournament and say okay do we have a title sponsor if not we'll get rid of it because you have several tournaments that want to move to different dates Greenbrier is considered moving to the fall portion of the schedule or they could say if July 4th if they want. There's a Champions Tour event out in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area that wants to become a PGA Tour event. This would be a reasonable date that fits within the Minnesota golf season, so this could go to them if the, if the national does not continue as it is. And I, I don't think the PGA Tour is ever really in, in a shortage for places to be able to move things around and, and fill in gaps in their schedule, because the schedule is getting bigger. 49 events, not smaller. So I think we will see it in
0: 2018, and then after that, it's anyway, yeah. Yeah. All right, President's Cup. As we talked to Ryan Ballinger, you and I talked a lot about this on your last appearance on the show, um, which I highly recommend because he was up there for um, Media Day. Since that conversation, Jason Days looked better. Mark Leishman won a playoff event. um, And that's about it when it comes to the international team showing better form. Maybe somebody else did, and I'm forgetting it offhand. Uh, but that's basically about it. You and I agreed the last time you were on the show that this was going to be a, a, a could be a dominating performance, U.S. Solheim Cup, U.S. Walker Cup like performance. Do you still feel that way now that you know here we are on tournament week? I do,
1: and, I, and I, I think I don't remember if I said this, but I think I probably said this, and if I don't, I'm being religious and saying I said this. That the U.S. depth is just better than the international depth. I think if you look at the the top three or four players on each side—they're pretty highly ranked. I mean, they, obviously we have the American side of Justin, Jordan, Dustin, Rick. There's your your big top four. You're like, wow, that's pretty stout. But then you look at Jason Day and Mark Leishman's come to his own. I, I, you got a Matsuyama, and then you kind of go down the list there. I mean, Adam Scott's still a top 15 player in the world, but by rank only, not by skill level currently. And then after that, you go, okay, well, the Americans had a great year because you guys Charlie Hoffman and still had a terrible year. He's still on the team. And, uh, Kevin Chappell's on the team. And he had a great breakthrough year. I mean, guys are winning left and right. You kind of look at the guys on the other side. And you're like, all right, well, Adam Hadwood won something. That's cool. Louie didn't really win, but he contended the major. Charles has his fits and starts. Brandon, I mean, Brandon Gray, who uh, didn't have his best year. Then you go down the line and go, okay, well, those guys should get trounced if you're kind of beyond this on the depth chart for the internationals. And I think that's why it sets up for a butt-kicking. But the beauty of this is that after a bunch of years of butt kickings in a 34-point format, Nick Price finally got the PJ quarter to agree to drop it to 30 points to give the captains some maneuverability that they didn't have And we saw the result of that when what was also, in my view, an overmatched team in 2015 in, in South Korea. We got a close match and really the only one that's been close since 2003. So I think the Americans are still poised for a big win, but it is match play. And ultimately, that's what the equalizer is, that you don't have to play four great rounds of golf. You only have to play a few good holes. But you could steal a match, so I still think the heavy favorite moniker works for the Americans, but you just never know.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how all this shakes out. As as obviously, there's a lot of eyeballs. Um, well, well, there's a chance that a lot of eyeballs don't tune the golf over the weekend if this becomes. Highly one-sided. Uh, final thing from you, Ryan, and obviously Ryan. Uh, and, and obviously this is a shorter appearance to Ryan than usual. Ryan will be back. I don't know when, sometime in the fall to talk more golf because um, something crops up in the golf world that always requires talking to on this show or, or talking about on this show. Would you split up, Jay? Um, sorry, Jordan and, and and Patrick Reed this week. Obviously, they were insane at the Ryder Cup. Patrick's form hasn't been great. You think Stricker breaks them up?
1: or not, but I think it's worthwhile to see what Jordan and Justin looks like. I, I'm very curious what that team looks like. Uh, maybe they don't jive. Maybe they don't get along, but I would like to see it. Uh, I think Justin and Ricky would be really interesting, too. And if you could find a combination that works for Ricky Fowler on a permanent basis, because uh, he he kind of floats around a little bit. He's like Jimmy Walker, but I don't think Jimmy Walker makes the 2018 Ryder Cup team, so uh, you know, maybe that's his guy. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation once the U.S. realizes, hey, we're going to win. And, or it's going to be really hard for the internationals to win. So I would think Thursday's probably by the book. Friday, depending on the results on Thursday, maybe in the afternoon in particular, you'll see a little bit of experimentation. And then Saturday, if they're way ahead, then, you know, we'll see maybe a couple of different things happening. But I think that they're, they have. Very smartly, the U.S. side has turned this into a, a proving ground and a petri dish for the frankly more important Ryder Cup. So, uh, if they feel like they can mess around a little bit and still be okay, then I think you're going to see Reed and Speed split up, and you might see Thomas and and Speed give it a run.
0: You really, really want us to see every announcer say, "And Jordan's playing with his good buddy Justin." <laughs>
1: buddies, that's right,
0: yeah. Golden Child and JSGB paired together. Um, I mean, that playoff last week, and and Justin said in his press conference, I think the golf Twitter world would have lost its mind. And and, and thank God for them buying into this narrative, and and they're okay with it, and it's become the inside joke amongst all us insiders. Um, Because if they couldn't tolerate it, then I think you know, it would really have annoyed them by now, but luckily they've bought in and and this whole golden child JSGB thing has been able to thrive.
1: Yeah, and I, I honestly believe, and uh, Daniel Berger hasn't showed this in the last couple of weeks, but I think that he has the potential to be such a stud in this match like this. Me too, and yeah. Just the way he carries himself, the kind of cockiness that you need, to be able to just stare someone down to this level and just tell them I'm better than you and I'm going to kick your ass. I, I think he could be the other Patrick Reed. So I would be interested to see if Berger and Reed can make a really
0: good team that just people hate to play. So I, I hope that that comes together. And he's another JS... As, 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 well, he is a JSGB and he's also JT's good buddy. So, you know... This all just comes together. It all just meshes together. Ryan Ballengee, thanks as always for coming on Teeing It Up and enjoy the President's Cup.
1: Thanks, Jeremy.
0: You got it.